Hi, this is Nishant Malhotra. Welcome for another podcast. Today, I'm going to be discussing with Surbhi Yadav, who's actually the founder and CEO of Sajay Sapne. Little Road is a thought leadership and online learning platform enabling social change and impact globally. We talk about Sajay Sapne. It's a non-profit which is in empowering rural women through quality education and catalyzing livelihood for the underserved section of the society. We are very warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Nishan. Thank you for inviting and thank you for having me here. We are doing a lot of fascinating work. You know, I was in the US. I also did a development course. I went to Michigan. And, you know, this chat, uh, we are going to talk about your journey. Start with my uh, first, you with your education. Your j- journey, you know, your progress both tremendously, professionally and personally. You did uh, your engineering and post grad the master's degree at IIT Delhi, which is one of the best engineering colleges in India. It's one of the leading colleges also around the world. And then you did your master's in development practice from University of California, Berkeley, US, which is one of the best universities in the world. Today, as a founder and CEO of Sajay Sapne, your organization is empowering rural women in India through quality education. And you've sort of done a lot of innovative work and we'll come to this as we go forward. But and so when we look at India, an overwhelming majority of India's rural population works in the unorganized sector. So kindly share your journey, highlighting the motivation in setting up your nonprofit. Um, You know, I think I live I live in four different worlds. Uh, and I think that is what shaped Saji and what it is. Um, and I, so I grew up in a town called Khargon uh, in Madhya Pradesh. And uh, I lived a childhood of abundance uh, in a sense that it was not necessarily financial abundance because we were still low income family, but um, it was a lot of carefree thinking, a lot of, uh, a lot of abundance of freedom of thought. Um, both my parents uh, put a lot of emphasis on educating their kids. Um, my father was the first person in his village to actually get um, complete schooling, actually get a government job, go to college. Uh, so the second world that I belong to is uh, is in Bundelkhand, uh, where my parents uh, grew up. And that's um, a very famous, just to get the audience, it's known for Fulan Devi. Uh, she was a very known bandit. And there's a movie also on that. Yeah, it's known for a lot of things, actually. But Bundelkhand has its own share of big problems, right? Like it's, it has, it's, it is not doing great on gender indices. It's not doing great on development indices. It's a, it's a border of MP in Madhya Pradesh and Uttar Pradesh, right? And um, my, both my parents, they, they were phenomenal in terms of what they were aspiring for their kids and how much they were so showing up for the society as well. Um, but my father, I think a lot of motivation of how Saji started, why Saji started is because of the kind of up- upbringing I had. My parents, I feel for them, social work was not a moral obligation. It was just a way of life for them. Um, father, My father was in government department of a horticulture and he helped any farmer who came our way, uh, who came to our home, every single farmer. And he still does that. And just out of sheer love for the work, sheer love for, you know, plants, sheer love for making sure that farmers get the most out of their fields. And I grew up watching that. I also grew up listening to them telling us, uh, we are four siblings, and telling us that, right? And I think they were saying it because they had very strong sense of community for their own villages back home. Because they have studied and gone away from the village something nice should happen for the village because someone from the village was able to get the gift of education. Uh, so I grew up listening to that. I grew up listening to that that when it's for the, for, for, if it's for the village, right? Um, so IIT, so I, that's one part of the world. The second part of the world is the village Madhupura. Now that village is, again, strong sense of community, uh, but also... जो किताबें मुझे डेवलपमेंट इश्यूज पढ़ा रही थी वो वहां पे लाइफस्टाइल है राइट लाइक सो यू रीडिंग ओ ओपन डेफिकेशन इज अ डेवलपमेंट चैलेंज बट देन यू गो बैक होम एंड दे आर लाइक ओ ओपन डेफिकेशन इज हाउ यू लिव राइट एंड नोबडी इज फाइंडिंग दैट एज अ प्रॉब्लम एंड दैट दैट इज फाइन टू um but that is the second second world that i you know i grew up in and i belong to then of course there's iit delhi uh, which only happened because i had this deep spirit of wanting to go away from home nothing else it was not love for engineering unfortunately at that point um i yeah, we are too young at that point of time in india at your time my time it was more of uh, 
maybe I, I think during my time it was engineering and medical, but things have evolved by your time. But then IIT, it's not that easy yeah. to go. I mean, IIT is one of the most yeah. competitive exams in the world, I think. Yeah, but you got to be a little stupid to not know that. You got to be a little, uh, you know, ignorant to not know that. The good thing about my town is that there was so little exposure that until 12th, I didn't even know what is IIT. Uh, and even when I got through IIT, my, uh, a lot of my uh, father's friends said, Acha, gudiya, ITI mein chali gayi hai. like they thought that I've gone to an ITI college. Uh, because nobody knew what is IIT, right? So I had no exposure. So the only calculation that I did in my head was, uh, oh, this is a government college. Going to fees, going fees is going to be low. My father and mother are never going to say no for good education. They can afford it. Probably I can go in, right? Like that was the calculation. So away from home, something that parents would be able to take care of, something that they would not say no for. Like this is a legit reason for the, which they will let me go out. Um, and uh, and of course, it required a lot of hard work of cracking JE, but. Um, IIT was a big fair. IIT was a learning fair. It felt a lot of sense of possibilities. A lot was possible. And I did a lot. And I think that all the entrepreneurial drive, I think whatever goes into Saje comes because there was certain kind of shaping that IITs experienced it. And then, of course, Berkeley, right? Berkeley happened and Berkeley instilled or fueled uh, my sense of justice, I guess. Um, because, you know, Berkeley has that culture, Um so yeah, just and, to, to, just to yeah. sort of interrupt you, two questions. First, I think yeah. we should know what the what is the meaning of Saje or Sapne yeah. in uh, I know it means dreams. Saje is does yeah. it mean uh, uh, together? Some, it, it means shared. Yeah. Shared, so the word dreams. is also Sanja. Sanje means shared, and Saje is another word for the same thing. Is it means shared, and the genesis of Saje Sapne is that uh, it means shared dreams. Shared dreams. Yeah, That's shared dreams. And it's not just like one person's dreams. Like when one person progresses, a lot a lot happens in one community, ripple effects. We also like two beliefs, right? Like one is nobody is doing it all by themselves. It's usually a team for your dreams, right? And that's a term that we also coined Sapna Dal. It's a team for your dreams. So at Saje, you will see there's a whole new world that we're trying to create and that involves creating a new language. Um, so you will see a lot of words being thrown around. Sapne Wali is our, you know, all the students that we have, all the team members we have, Saje Sapne, Sapna Dal, you know, like bunch of words. Um, so yeah, shared dreams is what Saje Sapne means. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want, you did your, you know, undergrad and then you did your uh, master's also from IIT. Was there a thinking like you wanted to go in technology because you're predominantly, uh, your, your uh, undergrad and postgrad were in the same discipline before you thought, I, okay, let's go to Berkeley? Um, no, actually, I, because this, again, the four worlds really does a difference, right? So when I'm studying at IIT, I'm seeing a certain kind of world, but then I'm going back home, I'm seeing a different world. And then I'm going back to my parents' village, I'm seeing an entirely different world. And I think it does something to you, that kind of exposure, like you're going from extreme sense of possibilities to seeing things in very different ways in different places. Um, in my head, I was clear that I, I'm going to be in social sector. Um, and I was clear even when I entered in IIT, I was clear when I exited IIT, right? Like when I graduated, corporate job never excited me. Um, I was lucky that I was there for five years. Uh, a lot of my friends were there for four years uh, and they graduated and they went into corporate and I would meet them, right? Like I was still a student. They were still, you know, they were now earning a lot of money, big packages, and they were also miserable. I'm sorry to say this out in public, but they actually were miserable. I, uh, every time I would meet them, and I would ask them, how is life going? And they would say, oh, cut rahi hai, chal rahi hai. And I never wanted to be that person. I never wanted to say that I'm just surviving. Um, so corporate never excited me. So that was never a path that I aspired for. Um, tech could have been if I was, if I paid more attention to my engineering academics, right? I think I was so much in love and so much in love with all the distractions that IIT had to offer. Uh, so I did a lot of theater, a lot of debating, a lot of, um, you know, sports, everything that IIT had to offer, except. Academics. I think that's incredible. Uh, that's something I'm very happy to hear that. So this this is something you're very well-rounded. You wanted to see all aspects of life. And yeah. that I think had a huge influence on you to do something which is very innovative, socially. Yeah, but I think, again, the social thing was because of the family, right? Like because of what I was seeing. And it's it's not just what I was hearing from my parents, but also what I was seeing back home in the villages. Like 
I was here studying in IIT Delhi, but all my cousins are getting married at 17 and or 18. And my nieces who are much younger than me getting married at 19. And that's still 18, 19. And still, it's still the reality. Education has not made a cut in our village. Um, and I think when you see that and when you, you're living this in the world of possibilities, I think for me, the most logical and the most obvious response for myself was that I have to be in social sector. I don't know what I will be doing. So even at IIT, when it came to choosing projects, I did I did choose projects which were socially inclined. Like even I was working on a nanotech project of developing a point of care device for diagnos- diagnosis of tuberculosis in villages and resource constrained areas. It was hardcore engineering and yet with a solid real life application in you know, in places where the needs are high. Um, Other internships that I chose were related to social sector. So I think IIT's training was about fueling sense of possibilities that you can do it. Um, And, you know, IIT has its ways of giving you that practice and that experience. Yeah. IIT gave you a platform. I think it's one of the best platforms in India. I would say that. I mean, it has, I I do want to, because people are listening, I do want to, put a word of caution here that I do think that academically the the cultural environment of IIT can be a lot more inclusive uh, both in terms of gender caste geography uh, so it, it needs a lot of improvement in terms of how people pursue learning and how people pursue uh, you know f- expression of freedom uh, so that way it needs to do a lot of work but yes it does for for whom it can work it can create a sense of strong sense of possibilities. I don't think it works for everyone yet. And it, it's not individual's fault. It's actually institutional limitation. Uh, but yes, I, I still am very grateful for having that platform. And it does give you a strong network, right? Like uh, you, Then Berkeley, anything. and how did Berkeley then sort of make you? Berkeley, yeah, Berkeley happens when I graduated from IIT, um, I left the placement season and I did not know what to do, except that I will be entering in social sector. And because in IIT, no social sector jobs come in directly. uh, It was a self-driven exploration. Um, And I ended up working with a professor at IIT in humanities department because he gave me that space to think, sit and read. Um, And I, I worked as a public policy researcher for a couple of years. And my plan was not to continue studying. Um, But I felt I needed more time to organize my thoughts around development and I felt the need of having a structure for it and that's when I applied to Berkeley um and it was a wonderful wonderful experience I think I'm super grateful for that and uh, then that led to you know in Berkeley yeah. were you not thinking of working in the U.S. in development oh, sector no, no. or no no I think I, I again these again never got I never got excited by these possibilities, I guess. Uh, again, because the problems that I connect with are in India. The problems that I connect with are related to my experience in my own village. Uh, and I can't have that in the US. And if you want to make a dent in development sector, um, you need to be closer to the context of the problem. Um, and I think in my head, I was very calculative that way. When I Even when I came to US, I was so clear that I'm going back to India. Like it, the plan was never to stay back in the US because in the US, I don't, I, because I've not grew up, I've not grown up here. I don't know the context as deeply as I know that of my region. Um, and it would take me much longer to understand the problems deeply here and to come up with an effective solution than, you know, back home, back. Uh, for a year, I was still exploring, figuring it out, uh, what to do. And I think pandemic started. Um, that made a couple of shifts in my life. And then Saji began in 2020, September 2020. And so any purpose? Uh, you have headquartered it in Himachal Pradesh, not in Madhya Pradesh. Was that there is specific reason for that? Yeah. In, actually, when Saji began, it was not planned. Um, again, a lot of things happen very organically. I There's a village in Himachal Kanbadi where I am based right now and where Saji is based. Uh, I have been visiting that village for the last seven years and I had gone there for the first time as a volunteer in an organization called Avishkar, which is now of our uh, incubation center and uh, they've been a strong supporter of our work. Um, I love that village. I love the lifestyle. I love the beauty. Himachal is incredibly beautiful. Um, one of the and, most greatest, uh, I think, states in India. It's a lovely yeah, place. Yeah. And the development indices are really amazing. 
And I think in the beginning, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was at a very low stage overall in life, both professionally and personally. I was going through a lot uh, and the pandemic began. Uh, And at that point, I started volunteering for supporting survivors of domestic violence. Um, And I did that for a couple of months. And then then the restlessness began. What's next? Um, And I wasn't clear. Uh, And because I couldn't travel because of the pandemic, the exploration was also getting more and more constrained and more and more just go within and instead of go uh, outward. I came to Kanbadi just for some relief for myself. Uh, I didn't come to Kanbadi because I wanted to start an organization. Uh, I came there and because it was lockdown, I was supposed to be just there, right? Um, During that time, I got in touch with a a girl, a young woman from a village in Bihar um, and Magdampur. And she wanted to join an online education, some platform, because she's just finished 12th. She was like one person in her entire village who has finished her 12th. And she really was eager to continue education. And she had no means at that point. Uh, She also belonged to Musahar Mahadalit community where uh, you really, in terms of development, they they really, really haven't been served right. Um, So I was arranging a phone for her. And now this may sound like a very small, tiny interaction, right? But it led to Sajay. Um, I was arranging a smartphone for her so that she can attend educate. She can attend some online class because I had to reach out to her. I was talking to her friend who had a smartphone in a different village. It was Fula and this other person's name was Santoli. And during this interaction with Fula, right, to reach to Santoli, Fula was like, Didi, aap mujhe kuch padha do. Uh, and I was like, nahi, nahi, main kuch nahi padha rahi abhi. And... Uh, I think at some point, because I was not doing anything else substantially, I just gave in and I said, okay, let's start classes right? So we started classes on phone calls, not even like video calls. It was on phone calls every single day and the girls won't let me miss it. Uh, so there were these two girls and they invited one more of their friend and then there was one person from my own family back home in the village. So now there are four girls who come to the morning on the day and then we, you know, we pick up one topic and then we start learning about it. Um, that happened for like a month. Um, there are other people, other volunteers who joined. Um, uh, so now there's different kinds of subjects that are being discussed on phone. I still can't believe it that we were doing everything without any video interface. Um And at that point, I had mentioned to them casually that we may start a bigger center. And we may call you here, right? And they were very stubborn about it. They hold on to that message. So I had said something very non-committed way. And they started asking, Didi, when center shuru ho You know, when, when can we actually start this as a proper program? When can we meet and actually learn more? And that's how Saji began. That's how actually Saji got launched. Uh, I pitched the idea to an investor that I knew. Uh, he was really generous and kind, uh, Manoj from Social Alpha. And he said, I'm ready to commit money for this. Um, and the idea was simply that to open modern day curriculums and education uh, for rural women so that they can they can launch their careers. And actually not just livelihood, actually growth pathways, career pathways. Um, So not just think about only income increment, but actually think about skills, growth in skills. Think about growth in, you know, satisfaction. Um, That was the idea that we'll open different Sapna centers, like physical spaces in villages where people can continue education after 12th and can actually make a launch their careers in modern day workforce. Um, And I think when he committed the money, and this was at the idea stage, right? We had five students. uh, Because the paperwork for the money was taking longer and the girls were still asking me, Didi, we have to start. We ended up launching a crowdfunding campaign uh, so that we can start the center, we can start the program. Um, And people actually showed up for us. Um, We raised around 26 lakhs in three days. um, And that's how first center started in Kanbadi. Uh, We started with six girls because people donated so much money. We ended up getting 25 students in the first batch. And yeah, since then, you know. Hear that. And also, let's go deep. You have a a flagship program in management and rural development. Now, this is what I think is your flagship uh, program where you 
in skill and provide jobs to rural women in the age of 18 and 24 now this is a very important segment because this is the time when you're going to an undergrad you're forming your mm-hmm. views also you're open to employment at this stage could be very critical as you go forward you know uh, later on or uh, if if you do or are employed you could you know leave jobs you have a lot of empower you have a lot of power because over a period of time a lot of experience now this is a very critical segment and this is something fantastic which you are doing now please speak about this uh, groundbreaking residential program that is enabling social change and impact within the indian ecosystem and i'm sure within the global ecosystem because you have a lot of technology jobs and i'm sure women would be going and working to tomorrow abroad also or in india yeah. doing a lot of jobs that's the that's the hope right uh, but actually the idea is to design an end to end learning and earning system that works for rural women okay so when i say end to end it means right realizing uh young women who are keen on doing something becoming something uh unko mobilize karna hai and we call mobilizing sapne walis like that's the name for all our students and anyone who has the burn in the belly and just ready to take on if they get an opportunity right so you mobilize you design curriculums which are which which can prepare you for the you know contemporary world you design curriculums in local languages you design curriculums in the context related to rural women right when you like think about it web development coding ka koi hindi mein naam nahi hai there is no term in hindi one regional language that we have uh, one of the many regional language we have we don't have a term in hindi for coding but the whole world is moving towards let's say internet based or coding based jobs so how are you expecting a rural youth to actually who doesn't know that language well to become proficient in that particular job segment right so actually design curriculums which are relatable which are which are accessible to for rural women then design a learning culture that works for rural women right like i don't think our current education system works for learning in general but especially not for rural women right and then making sure then then of course there is a training part which is the 9 month residential program that we have uh, in which we have three career tracks first is development and development management uh, it's sort of a rip off of or sort of a junior program of what i studied at berkeley so i studied development practice uh, masters in development practice and on learning or picking up skills on how to become a practitioner in development sector so this is a baby version of that program right if anyone wants to become a practitioner in development sector if you want to have those generally skill sets uh, of project management uh, skilled uh, the project management and office management you'll have that right Then just to interrupt you also uh, yeah. so you pretty skilled see i think uh, you are a graduate instructor in electives like statistics econometrics so the, these yeah. are uh, what i you did multi regression analysis multivariate analysis yeah. that's what you would have yeah. taught i taught them yeah yeah so uh, yeah. i think that's a very highly technical subject people have a technical yeah. view that could, i think this mathematics and statistics and other subjects of bifor or you know applied economics uh, are also very uh, very technical because they need mathematics and you need a lot of uh, analytical skills to also to understand that yeah carry on yeah. because that, those are the skills actually right now in evident based sector uh, they really required rather than you know maybe coding is not that we required within the development sector yeah. but you have more uh, mathematical skills which is what yeah. the world is moving I, w- i would say not even mathematical i would say just the analytical skills uh, analytical skills right yeah, yeah. i think that applied means- skills like to understand yeah, right right so the first career track that we have is development management uh, the second career track that we have is uh, primary math teaching so they actually Uh, students who are enrolled in that particular program uh, become math facilitators uh, and math teachers and then the third one is web development so this is just a start right like we have three career tracks open like new career tracks open for rural women we want to make many such tracks like when you enter in a big university you have so many departments and courses to choose from we want to make sure that rural women have that option if someone wants to do a course in photography at some point we need to have that course someone wants to do a course in journalism at some point she needs to have that so we started by development management uh, right now we have three um, you know who never knows we, we we don't know in 10 years how many more career tracks we would have for them uh, so yeah and then the last stage of the whole program is so 
so you start by mobilizing you start you design the curriculum and the learning uh, culture you deliver the training right in that space the sapna center where women come together they stay there with us and you know go through this whole experience learning experience and the last stage or not the last stage the fourth stage is helping them have access to professional opportunities and professional networks so that they can get a job for themselves um we do that and then the last stage is sort of creating this peer network of professionals in rural india and right now that's happening like them leaning on to each other helping each other out with their professional issues and beyond so this whole chain like is sort of designing an option of pursuing uh, high growth based aspirational jobs that's what the vision is that's what the aim is okay but uh, so I, i need to come to a very important question and but need to sh- share a statistic here what 65% of the indian population resides in rural area it will be a bit less than this which and with the literacy rate of 73.5% as of 2021 now this literacy rate also you know maybe what in india it means is that you can write your name that's what i uh, feel that's what it could be the literacy rate i'm not sure how they sort of measure that how we know that the- Nishant, you're right. The liter, the way we measure literacy, it's not very thorough. And also, like other survey have uh, again yeah, and yeah. again that you know just because you're going to eighth standard doesn't mean you can actually read the text of eighth standards. And people think about it. People don't have experience of practicing reading and writing back at home. So even just because you went to school and you're able to sign your name doesn't mean you actually have. any understanding of yeah, you're true exactly. hey, sir i wanted to actually i didn't put up the question yeah but the acer findings were really not good i mean we, we can uh, the yeah. yeah so the 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 quality of education is not good but the indian government has some initiatives for example yeah. jawahar uh, navodaya vidyalay or beti bachao beti padhao i think this is one of the best initiatives i have known and you know digital initiatives that facilitate education for women today if you see as compared to maybe 10 years back it's much more easier still Uh, for somebody to learn because of the proliferation of technology or internet and uh, beti bachao beti padhao this is one of the core uh, themes this is a very important uh, i would say initiative which even the middle road as as i promote now how do you think these policies are bettering your organization's mission and vision how they are impact uh- one is of course through the ecosystem building right because if you if the government says that oh we prioritize this and it becomes easier to pick build on that narrative right like okay this is important as a nation building effort so this you know let's let's move in that direction so of course there is an ecosystem building uh, so that means that the funders are interested in this cause that means other stakeholders are paying attention to this cause uh, so that's at the primary level right um and government recognizing something as a problem and again i do think that people a lot of government efforts are towards uh, and even non-profit efforts are towards school education we are actually in a domain where not much is being done at the moment people are wanting to do it but not much is going on in india on that domain which is the after school right higher education yeah yeah and for women it is still a struggle in villages to actually finish 12th standard so i understand when government and nonprofits prioritize school education school enrollment school high quality right learning outcomes um but i think so one is fundamental at the ecosystem level that it's good that the government is putting the an effort on recognizing this as a domain uh, put a narrative on it put put resources in it uh the second level which i think would happen in near future for sajay which we have not leveraged on yet is actually to use government strengths and complement government strengths and go as a team so we are good at designing content designing curriculum making things work for rural women government is fantastic at outreach and infrastructure so there should come a point right when we are saying that sapna centers are being opened because of government like प्राथमिक विद्यालय हर जगह हर गांव में है ना लाइक इट हैपन बिकॉज देर वॉज एन एफर्ट पुट इन दैट डिरेक्शन बाय डिफरेंट स्टेक होल्डर्स एंड गवर्नमेंट वॉज वन ऑफ देम सो द नेक्स्ट शुड बी अ चेन ऑफ सपना सेंटर्स इन डिफरेंट विलेजेस विद द सपोर्ट ऑफ गवर्नमेंट अथॉरिटीज राइट गवर्नमेंट कैन पुल दैट ऑफ राइट वी but like it will take much more effort for us to pull that off than the government right so that's going to be the second level which going to happen the third level which is a bigger aspiration level Uh, and i think that's a long term game for sajay is advocacy like the policy advocacy how can we design schemes and policy 
policies that make education and growth of rural women a matter of pride for everyone especially socially especially for families like we take a lot of pride and obligation for getting married right like ladki hai shaadi ho jayegi acche se shaadi hogi that is a matter of pride for us how can that shift to are meri beti ab ye karti hai right meri beti ye ban gayi hai uh, we don't have that yet and i think that will require a big policy level advocacy um and i think slowly we want to head towards that even some policy level ad- so there are three levels of advocacy there is a level advocacy for learning systems there is an advocacy for earning system and then there is the advocacy for being right like agency and how do we express our freedoms and experience them um so yeah those are the three things that i feel um that's where policy and government government governance systems come and play but it's important for government to keep talking about these yeah that's one at least that's a start Uh, discuss and you could talk about the roadblocks impediments and the steps which you have taken to do anything qualitative will be very grateful because it gives you very good insight of what's happening yeah more than challenges i saje had a very soft landing nishant actually um so how can i can i share some successes and then challenges are you open yeah sure 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 uh, please free this is um, a platform yeah i think uh, so as i said sapna dalna Sapna Dalli is a set of people it's a team for your dreams it's a set of people who are very excited when you grow okay and i think each one of us need that i think where i lucked out i think i had very strong sapna dal for myself um so i i genuinely met and nurtured like this relationships in my life who supported me when i was struggling the most um so sajhe when it started it started with this set of volunteers who were ready to show up and say ki chalo karte hain kuch right there was set of advisors who were ready to support me on almost on every single day basis and these are like experienced people seasoned people in development development sector and then there are there were people who were ready to give us the money right individuals who gave us the money um so jab saje when saje started for example we have such a beautiful campus in the hills and for a young organization like us who right from day one we have had that campus and that wouldn't have happened if avishkar this non-profit or the founders of the non-profit didn't take a bet on me right so they said you want to start something start right on this campus and we are going to support you right uh so they've seen me cry they've seen me struggle they've seen me you know do they've seen me go through all phases and they've been there so now they're like kind of you know you're rock that okay you can reach out to these people um so in that sense you know it 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 had been a good good soft landing um but in terms of challenges i think the one big challenge is you are working with an age group um like if you are working with 18 plus so there is a strong sense of identity and ego um and wants that young adults have as they should um but it's also a lot of struggles that they have seen in their own lives so you know you're not just working with a student who doesn't have a you know like a big trauma in their past so that is there so that people have seen difficult experiences and you know and so how do you design a learning system that can cater to those needs um that is one big challenge and i think we still we still working on it we still you know finding out our best solutions effective solutions uh for example first year we had a student from she was a stu- she was a daughter of a sex worker and um 
she had left school at the age of at the age of 13 so when she came to us at the age of 22 uh it had been long since she had actually studied um and even when she came she she got this peer group with whom she can chill she can joke about she can she was not being judged um but it was so hard for her to actually sit and study it was just so hard and we she had a therapy support she had you know peer support she had us as facilitators and everything but it was just hard it was hard and it was it's she also didn't see that it could change and she dropped out of the program right um so you have a therapy it, sessions also you have a psychologist uh, no, and all the so we don't unfortunately uh, we do what we do is that create community resilience so we do have certain uh, principles that we follow that help us bring help us make more resilient community space uh, but at the moment we don't have a therapist but this person had a therapist from the previous organization uh, so they had therapy support she had therapy support um what do you think should like, should have been done for her oh. why did she fall why could she not connect because of the experiences she could not you think she'll oh, not absolutely. be able to lead her own oh absolutely i mean it she lived a, you know quite a she'd seen a lot in that sense and also how do you trust that i uh, think about it for us like let's say people who have been living in cities people who are in middle class going to colleges they have so much exposure it's just given that you're going to you know get college education and hopefully you're going to get a company and a job you're like for you to not think that you have to put in an effort right when let's say if nishan says oh i'm not going to take a job i'm going to do this he has to think hard to not see that when you don't have that kind of exposure for a lot of our students like for example there is this, they don't have an aspiration they don't have an i wouldn't say aspiration they don't have a visual they can have this they can have a growth path for themselves they don't even have a visual they're not seeing that around them for example a student of ours she she comes from a village in rajasthan uh from a muslim family and she got her 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 marriage got fixed when she was 2 years old so at the 5 years of age she knew who she is getting married to so she grew up as a young girl as a kid she grew up thinking this is the boy i'm going to get married to so when she came to us she was a newly married woman uh she came 2 months after her marriage and had an incredible support by one of her in-laws um so when she came she didn't even she didn't even know what this path is going to look like i'll i'll give you another example one of our students gave an interview for a very um, prestigious fellowship in the development sector uh and it was a paid fellowship 25000 per month and she reached to the fourth stage of the interview right and uh, she she told me that she got selected and she told all of us she got selected um and i said okay so we started celebrating right like there was a whole celebration that was the first job and all of that just to find out two days later that she's not been selected uh she got a rejection email what she misunderstood was that fourth round of interview means you got selected because this is the first time in life she's actually going through an interview process and uh, she couldn't one she it was surprising for her that there are four rounds of interviews that are required uh, or four stages of selection like one round was pre work and all that uh, but that's the level of difference in world i'm talking about we have so much exposure of these things that we start taking them for granted a lot of people don't have that exposure um and especially rural women like think about what is the story that is being served to you as a girl if you as a woman if you're growing up in a village um and even in cities for that matter a lot of time the emphasis is you have to get married right that's the emphasis the emphasis is not that oh what what else are you going to become there are, i with our students nobody when they were growing up they were asked what do you want to become when you grow up this question is missing from their lives so then that brings to the second challenge right we don't know how rural women we as a country don't know how rural women actually learn what do they enjoy what are their interest uh, so you know being thorough about and 
that kind of program design is still you know is quite a lot of work the, the strategic challenges of building an organization in a village that stay um, you know they they pop up like really getting good talented motivated people uh come in team to come commit for deep work that is required that is one challenge uh financial sustainability is going to be a good challenge because you know we we, we do have money thanks to crowdfunding uh both the years we have done crowdfunding but you know how long would that last so money is going to be a challenge i wish like there are so many more ideas that we have but we have less resources to actually convert all those ideas uh so that is one of the biggest challenges that we have like if someone gives us a lot of money or we have like that financial robustness i think we would be able to do a lot more uh, yeah i think you talked about muslim one of the first women i ever fell in love with was actually a muslim girl so there's a long time back but yeah, yeah. that that does happen so now let's come to your your organization has an applied learning structure where you you know educate youth on employability skills there are about uh, 1.26 yeah. million schools in rural sector which is out of uh, 1.51 million schools in india now mm-hmm. although i'm sure i, I shared a, a chart for this but i think for a podcast it's better to sort of take the figures talking about or the graph is basically distribution of children enrolled in schools across rural india in 2019 uh, by type based on data shared by statist statista now according to the data 8.4% of the students are not enrolled in any institutions private schools are the largest segment which is a bit more than one third at about 37.3% followed by anganwadi and we'll discuss what an anganwadi is at 27.6% and government schools at 23.9% now government preschool is at 2.8% now when you do talk uh, first let's understand anganwadi is and uh, you know you will be the best person to take through and then you can talk for setting up educational centers in india i mean um so anganwadi is a far from our world by the way uh, in a sense that again anganwadi work with kids like that's the premise right like anganwadi is a space uh government government uh, run spaces where you can bring children in so they enter in the education system through anganwadis right um they also get nutrition through anganwadi so anganwadi serves like a multi purpose centers service center for kids primarily kids in the villages uh, we are on the other side of the spectrum we are saying once you are done with your schooling then we enter um so the So I'm going to talk about Sapna centers. Uh Sapna centers are physical spaces where young women can come together, uh learn, play, ask a lot of questions, pick up new skills that they can apply in job market uh or open something of their own. Um so learn, play, network, ask questions, uh pick up new skills, get yourself a good job or get yourself or start yourself something. Uh and decide how are you going to actually keep growing. uh sapna centers are supposed to be places which facilitate a person's growth in five ways so the way we define it is that there should be increase in skills there should be increase in salary there should be increase in satisfaction there should be increase in support and uh what did i say skill and there should be increase in say like your agency right if your if th- if that is not increasing all these five then that means something is lacking uh for example in india we have in the skill development sector this papad pickle model development model right uh in rural india for a lot of rural uh women the options that we have given for livelihood is make papads make pickles make you know products uh and nothing wrong with those professions right like or become beautician or silai kadai bunai be a tailor like have a sewing center right nothing wrong with those professions except are they offering growth if a person becomes a tailor at the you know an year 1 and year 5 have have their business grown have their sense of satisfaction grown have their skills grown right nobody's like we got to think about that because when you and i are making our career decisions we have like so many factors that we want to consider for ourselves it's not always just tiny income increment that we are considering right 
um so for us sapna center should facilitate those growth pathways using these five things so when you ask about business model currently we're still figuring it out um currently the way it works sapna center is working is uh, students come in um for the for the until they get the job they don't have to pay anything so their food and rent and stay and education is taken care by us financially but once they graduate we hope that they are going to teach one uh, each one teach one so they are going to basically mentor one student but also start paying forward uh, the expenses that were spent on them from their salary um, so hoping that every sapna center can become self sustaining uh, in like 3 years Okay, so right now you're working for grants. Have you looked at some sort of other sponsorship? For example, you talked about you know not this this could be an idea for for your business model. Have you thought about uh, public-private partnerships, CSR strategies? That oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean those are the mainstream ones in development sector, nonetheless. And so, um, grants, CSR, government partnerships, all of that is going to be part of the work. Um, and that I mean that's just sort of given in a sense that. uh whoever is interested in working in this domain is we are very keen on partnering and joining hands because that's how it's going to go forward right we are not yet fully eligible for csr because we're still not 3 years old uh but yeah we would be doing that as well yeah and i think the ideal is to actually get into a government system right like existing government infrastructure so we become the program partners and government becomes our uh, you know infrastructure and space partner and that would be fantastic yeah so when you're talking about government uh, how will you perceive government's involvement as would it strictly come in uh, ppp public private partnership because government will be uh, public right and you as a non profit yeah. you'll consider yourself also a uh, public you won't um, be a private I... surely right hybrid structure something yeah yeah i mean in this case ppp would work as like you have a csr partner you have a government partner and us um but it doesn't have to be a framework like this right like you, what you could do is that um government has for example a lot of itis but no itis in a village right like most itis are away from villages or they're in big villages so one option could be the nearest iti has a course run by us right so we become the program partners with government um now either the government can fund that or a csr partner can fund that so that could be one model other model is there are existing physical spaces in villages that are being underutilized at the moment so again something that government says that oh, you can use that space uh we bring in a csr partner they fund government provides the space we do the program implementation so these are couple of options that i think could work out yeah Just uh, before, you know, you worked as a graduate student instructor teaching highly creative subjects. Example, electives. It was in econometrics, statistics. You know, all various uh, aspects of uh, a lot of different subjects within the development sector at Berkeley. Now, like I already discussed, one of the best universities in the world. Now, your team is highly qualified with work experience in consulting and education development institutes. Example, Teach for India. Now, looking at your organization's uh, team superlative qualifications, share how you bring out a quality-backed pedagogy towards learning, because that is where your key differentiator is: you and your team, and uh, and you know it's uh, you you are very highly qualified. So that's where you come in and where you can uh, change or do things uh, very differently. So it's not just team, but like people from really. um reputed institutions educational institutions um but also our students because we are co-creating this program with them and a couple of bunch of our alumni are part of our team now uh so well maybe from reputed education institution such such as apne uh so so it's a, it's a balancing act so when you have a skilled the people coming from teach for india consulting background you know infosys system engineering background and all of that they are bringing a certain kind of skill set and so are the students who are coming from different villages and alumni from sajis apne they are bringing different skill set so it's a combination of both and we can't we can't let go either actually the focus is on that the learning experience should be a freeing experience it shouldn't be a constraining experience so that is a philosophy right and of course avishkar plays a big role in helping us you know focus on that kind of pedagogy um couple of things 
for example simple things like this like we don't have table and chairs uh in our classrooms and in our sessions everyone sits in a circle right now this 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 is a pedagogy tool it's a pedagogy tool to say everyone should be able to see each other's faces and there is no hierarchy in the classroom's physical setup so wo back bencher or front benchers of mid benchers ka koi stereotype nahi hai hai na so there is a, there is a circle right i was um, always a perpetual back bencher just to interrupt you <laughs> i thought i just remember yeah, because well, you spoke and wish you had a circle so then you don't have to be a back bencher you know uh this uh, there are many many pedagogy tools that we have so i'm just going to keep giving you examples so that you can understand what what do i mean when i say learning should be freeing um so then there's the set of values that your your a character building has to have certain values right so we have like sachi pakki gudi jununi dil ki and so and we're not just going to say this for the sake of saying them we actually bring our conversation back to the values so let's say there is a conflict that happens among students right the first question that will be asked is which value that we want to exhibit is challenged here right or if something that some some major disagreement happens some other stuff happens the conversation goes back to which value is being challenged right and our students start talking in that terms which is fantastic right um then the third thing another tool is glow and grow uh which is like a feedback right like chum kahan chamke kahan dhamke right what are the things that are really going well what are the things that we still can improve right so every student is able to give glow and it's not only facilitators giving glow and grow to students the students giving glow and grow to facilitators as well and it becomes so common in the in the in the set i remember i was making a fundraising a uh, presentation one day and i told my students that i have a big presentation coming up so don't disturb me today i have to just focus and they yelled back saying ha didi jab aapka pura presentation ban jaye to humko bata dena hum glow and grow de denge and they actually gave me feedback on my fundraising deck and i think that's the shift that happens in 9 months um other simple thing that we do is another pedagogy tool is that the questions first so basically framing challenges with curiosity so if you have a problem mostly they just say it as mere sath ye bura ho raha hai right so how can we frame that as a question uh and once the question is framed then you start thinking about the solution right uh, so that's another tool so we have so many pedagogy tools which are around breaking the hierarchy that exists between a facilitator and a student being very aware about that power dynamic um and and another big one is like really deeply trusting the potential of the student like deeply trusting that they can be more and part of the big problem in education sector and skill development sector is that we don't trust the potential of rural men itni sari edtech solutions popped up during covid with very few for rural youth that's not a money problem and that's not a you know like solution problem it's actually the problem that we don't think that they can manage such a high quality product we don't think that there is a set of community who needs it right uh, so truly truly deeply believing the potential of rural women because that helps us set the bar high for what we create for them so for example when i am designing the program of development management i'm still talking about big concepts like stakeholder management survey design right uh, we talk about caste gender you know social structures nobody is dumbing dumbing down the concept because our students deserve really high quality stuff how can we simplify it how can we make it accessible right like that's where a lot of creativity goes in uh so yeah those were some of the examples of pedagogy uh we deeply believe in uh what uh, ferrare had said about that you know in the in his book on pedagogy of the oppressed that your students are not empty bank accounts yeah there is a mutual learning process that's happening between the teacher and the student and we really mean that uh we show up that way um so yeah which book you I talked about I, sorry sorry to interrupt you you talked about a it's book it's a, it's a pedagogy of the oppressed okay yeah okay that's that's good. it's a, it's a one of the pioneer works in uh you know education as freeing yeah it's also do you make your own education content from what i understand you will have your own yes. curriculum design and uh, yes, yes. Right. so so, uh, so i don't know by education content we are not 
again, we are not coming up with absolutely new concepts. These are all concepts that exist outside. For example, in computer, in if they're learning Python or they're learning, you know, React, there is enough that is out there. Um, so it's not like the curriculum is not like as in what the topics are not new. Topics are what is already been out there. Uh, but how we teach them, how do we deliver them? Those are new. Those are in-house. Yes. And you also we have questions. Okay. Yeah. So just to, so how many students do you have in these batch? So last year we had the first batch, we had around 25 students and they all graduated. This time we have 30. We had more, but we had dropouts as well because of, you know, travel restrictions being lifted up. Uh, So right now there are 30 young women from seven different states. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so when you talk about the tracks, one, of course, I understand is technology where you're teaching, you know, front-end development and which will come up with web development, which you teach. The second, uh, is there any other track? You talked, there were four tracks, right? Uh, so. So there is development management, okay. there is primary math teaching, and there is web development. Yeah. So you're so teaching Simon, mathematics? Yeah. And in development sector, it's more of both uh, qualitative and uh, which you're sort of teaching, right? So for three of the tracks all three of them let me let me let me tell you the curriculum so there are four pillars in each curriculum in each each career track first one is english it is it's common in all four second one is career intelligence so negotiation networking you know professionalism time management all of that email writing everything comes under digital literacy comes under career intelligence, like all the things that you need to go in any kind of workforce, right? So that is also common in all career tracks. Third one is self in society, where you understand your own self a little bit better and also understand your positioning in the society better and your role to make the society better. That is again common in all three tracks. So these three are common in all three. Then the fourth one is the specialized skill set. So if you're in a primary math teaching course, you're this one is going to be child psychology and math concepts, right? If you're in development management, this one is going to be about management and social issues. If you're in web development, specialized skill set is going to be about your front-end web development. Yeah. Okay. So we have four pillars in each curriculum. Yeah. I've already spoken about uh, front-end web development. That was one of my questions. Just to sort of add on, uh, now, since you talked about uh, technology, what sort of infrastructure do you have? I mean, you have, you have some computers. Uh, as, yeah. as I understand, you work uh, on first grants from the government and from, from for foundations. And you have Avishkar as you, one of your incubators. Incubated. Um, we don't have any government grants yet. Uh, okay. We have crowdfunding money. So a lot okay. of money given by individuals. Um, we have a grant from... a from Tata Trust and we had grant from Prabha and Nudge. So private grant making organizations, we have grants from them. Um, We have Avishkar's infrastructure support. So we have a campus, uh, very beautiful campus in the hills and very open space to play around and to have classes in open in nature. Uh, we, We definitely have digital infrastructure. So there are laptops and desktops. We don't have enough. We definitely want more. Uh, so yeah, those those are the infrastructures. So you have, you know, places to sit and have long sessions. So physical space for that, we have that. And we, again, then we also have hostels for our students to come and stay with us for nine months. Now, uh, you also have Dorf, uh, taken something learners going forward. Where I came to know, you know, I'd applied for a, set up a, a job posting. And that's how I came to know through Ekta about your uh, non-profit now how do you make that students get a job do you, do you have you tied up with companies yeah. in india or you reach out i know very proactively you reach out to companies. it's a mix yeah it's a mix of everything so we want our students to be able to do the research and actually reach out and actually apply and get the job all by themselves because that is the kind of confidence and skill sets we want them to have so that even after their first job they're able to do more they're able to find more jobs for themselves even when they leave sajay um so we part of it is in the just in the training so the internships are for example an integral part of our uh, their learning experience so bunch of organizations we reach out bunch of times we just tell them how are we reaching out you can also start doing that so we help them get subscribed to like for example we help them go on linkedin right we help them uh, subscribe to various google groups where opportunities are coming in we help them 
uh, how we help them on their research skills for job opportunities. We also uh, send them to various exposure trips, uh, so field trips, workshops in other organizations, so that they start meeting other professionals and start uh, networking, right? Um, and we encourage them to make their own sapnadal. So we encourage them to actually invite more people in their team of dreams, right? So that they can start talking about opportunities and not just wait for us to give them an opportunity in front of them. Uh, but yes, a big part of our work is also reaching out to organizations and see who has the interest in making their own team much more diverse uh, and welcoming, you know, a, you know, talent from a different pool and that it's a mix of both. Yeah. We come uh, to the last question. So, Surbi, thanks a lot. First, I want to really thank you. You took out time. Uh, you are right now in the US, but uh, still we are able to have a chat and I am very happy that you accepted the invitation and I'm happy that you're doing uh, something which is actually really required. Um, we call it market failures. Um, you know, wherein you have to, outside uh, actors have to come in and, uh, you know, so, sort of, that's where the government sector comes in and you have uh, foundations and now even a lot of social entrepreneurs are coming in. Uh, through your journey, you spoke about a lot of experiences. Do finally speak about an aha moment. This is generally the last question from the middle road. I always ask everybody, unless they don't want to answer this question. So do uh, speak about any aha moment. Uh, from your experience uh, at your non-profit, at Sajay Sapne, or you could speak uh, from whatever interactions you had with people or students. Oh, it's going to be a hard one. There are so many aha moments. Um, can I take a moment to think? It's a tough question, actually. It's a tough question to select from because... Uh, which one to select? Which experience would you say? is the... Yeah, and I think... I think feeling-wise, I know there's so many aha moments, but I'm just thinking that which one anecdotally I can bring it up. And this is during work, right? Uh, so one of the things that we say that we want our students to have more agency, right? Like they, we want them to claim their agency. One of the alumni, she messaged me one day saying uh, she wants to leave the job that she's in right now. And she comes from a family of five five sisters, an alcoholic father, mother working as a tea uh, worker and laborer in a tea garden. Um, so my head is thinking, oh my God, she's not thinking it right. She's getting a consistent salary right now. It's a very reputed organization. She shouldn't leave the job. Uh, so that's what my head is going, right? And my, and my head is also worrying that she's not doing some long-term thinking. Why is she leaving this job? And so I, again, I don't bring all my opinions in there. I just ask her, uh, you know, why Why do you want to leave this? And she told me about how the environment, work environment is very toxic and it's uh, very discouraging on a regular level, level basis to attend, go to that workplace. Um, and then she kept saying it, right? She kept building on it. And she. This, I asked her, okay, so what are you going to do next? And she said, um, I don't know, but what I know right now is that I want to leave this job and I know I will figure something out. And I think to me, that was such a one that was a, just to hear her say that I know I will do something just instead of me thinking of it as, Oh my God, she's doing such a wrong thing. One, she's actually claiming agency, right? She, to be able to say no, is what we want for our students to have, right? Like to be able to say no to something that doesn't work for them, that is a marker of someone having their own agency. And she is saying no for a shitty job, which is great. And the two, that agency is being supported by sense of possibilities, which was not there when she started. Because a lot of students, when because they have lived in intergenerational poverty, they come with a scarcity mindset. They don't think that this is also possible. This is also possible. And here she is. And she's saying, Mujhe nahi pata main kya karungi, but kuch kar lungi. And to me, that was a reminder to have more faith in my students. And it's like, that's what claiming agency looks like. Um, and I think that reframing was quite an aha moment for me. Um, there was a similar one another time where a student lost her job because... An alumni lost her job because there was pandemic in the nonprofit she was working in, couldn't raise the money. People were laid off um, and she was one of them. And 
three days before she got laid off, she was telling me about that she's saving money to build a bigger hut in for her family. Um, and now she got laid off and I messaged her asking, okay, so how are you feeling? And she said, I'm feeling very sad and worried, but I know I will do something. And two days later, her updated resume was in my WhatsApp to be, she asked me that, Didi, how is this looking? And that was again, a very moment full of gratitude, but also an aha moment that I got to truly, truly uh, like the thing that we keep saying that shift the narrative about rural women from pain to their potential. And I think my students keep proving it over and over, like keep expanding the radius of what I see as their potential. I think if I was in her position and got laid off in the middle of pandemic while I was saving money for building my house, I think I would have been flustered. And there she was. She sent me an updated resume in two days. Um, and, you know, she's doing well now. So, yeah, these are like very clear aha moments, which, you know, make me want to, you know, see more and also build more. Uh, so, yeah, I hope that counts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. I mean, I really appreciate. I'll just, uh, you know, uh, thanks, you know, for sharing a lot of time. I think you spoke with your heart. Uh, very, very emotional, and I think you're very highly motivated. This something, so it's very good that you found something you wanted to do. Uh, many yeah. people don't even find what they really want to do in life. So I think that's a that's the story which I think attracted me that I should outreach you. That's what's the story I saw when I looked at your profile, and I am really appreciate you know joining uh, the middle road uh, for the podcast just to sort of give you the middle road uh, fuses ed tech with media. On outreach, you do check out www.themiddleroad.org. Just to take a reference, I had referred uh, a lot of data of iber.org. So you could look at it. Uh, the other, of course, uh, for Sajay Sapne, I referred to their website, uh, www.sajaysapne.org. So this is uh, these are the two sites you must go and uh, see in whatever way you could help. So thanks a lot, Sarvi. I really appreciate uh, giving time. Yeah, and great questions. Thank you for doing the homework that usually it takes to ask really nice questions. Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to hearing the episode. And yeah, I would I would I would circulate it in our networks as well. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thanks.